Hey guys, this is Wildcat Chris Harris, TNA original and one half of six-time TNA World Tag Team Champions, America's Most Wanted. You are listening to the TNA Cross the Line Podcast. TNA Wrestling, Cross the Line. And we're back with bonus episode number seven of the TNA Cross Line Podcast. I am Bob Collier Jr. And with me, as always, is Dallas Gridley. But once again, no one cares about Dallas Gridley being here because we have a special guest. A seven-time NWA TNA Tag Team Champion. So it's just perfect that this is bonus episode number seven. Wildcat, Chris Harris. Chris, how are you doing tonight? I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, uh... I- Dallas is okay with me, man, because I see the background there. I see a, a oh, nice action yeah. figure that, that's standing that's right. out. That's, yeah, the, uh, that's the running joke. Dallas is the TNA diehard, and I tend to be more uh, pessimistic about some stuff, and he just loves everything. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, well, we're, we're going to get a little bit a little bit of, it, of both, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I, um, I'm definitely the diehard, the, the TNA fan. I've, I mean, I've liked it for years, and yeah, I'll, t- I'll tell the story quick now, too, because me and Bob's friendship actually almost kind of uh, it, what's what's the word I'm looking for? It uh, TNA kind of inter- intertwined in it because when I first met Bob, it was probably what Bob 10, 10 11 years ago, 2012, yeah, 2011. Yeah, uh, we were at like a neighbor's like birthday party, and I forget if it was like a Thursday or something. And I go, Hey, okay, I gotta go, uh, I gotta go wrestling's on. And he's like, Wait, what you do? like impact? <laughs> and I was like, Hell yeah, I'm watching impact, yeah, and I bailed on our friends. And uh, I went to go watch Impact. <laughs> what year was this? Twenty, I think it was twenty eleven. And you were, so you were watching the the current the current product two thousand eleven oh, yeah. product. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, and okay. I I found out about TNA um, probably actually around the time where we're at on the podcast, which is uh, just about at Victory Road, uh, two thousand four. Okay. And so I remember my cut co- my cousin called me on the phone, and he's like, "Hey, dude." Jeff Hardy's on this like new wrestling and I was like holy shit I was like that's crazy so I turned it on and uh I immediately got hooked and basically TNA I think was the the kickstart for me to really get into alternatives of wrestling and eventually independent wrestling and all that kind of stuff so um I love it I love TNA it's my favorite thank you man appreciate it yeah it had uh, I mean uh, you know we we have our critics but um yeah, it was it was great. I mean, we had some great times and some. I thought the product was really good. So, yeah, thank you for the support, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, so I the, joke. The, the, victory, I, the victory rose was that when we first started doing the monthly pay per views. Yes. Okay. Yeah, 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 that's the that's the first one in uh, November seventh. Yeah. Uh, but I, well, we can just get right into it um, because we do have several questions for you. Uh, before you got into TNA, um, I remember going back and watching old nitros and I remember seeing Chris Harris as part of the new blood security. And I was like, wait a minute, what is going on? So I've always wondered, how did that come about? And then were there any connections that you got there that translated into getting into TNA originally in 2002? Um, yeah, I mean, there was, there was definitely some, uh, some 
crossing there. Um, I got into it because I started uh, getting more into, I, I started traveling in Nashville, um, started doing some uh, indies down there and, and was pretty much, uh, that was that was the majority of my, my working was in Nashville. Um, I was traveling there every week and um, get, get my name out there. Um, Storm was also a, a hometown hero there. Um, I was working my way up as uh, we were kind of like the two top big faces. So um, uh, we were working for Burt Prentice um, and he had the connections with uh, WCW, which is which uh, was actually Terry Taylor. And they were looking to bring in some security. And I guess part of the deal, we were also going to get some matches. Um, so, yeah, I was part of that. It was almost like a different group every week that they were bringing in. Um, but I was one of the, I was one of the main guys. So I was, I was getting in there every week. So, um, I was uh, making decent money even doing that, but, uh, it was, it was, uh, regularly. So, uh, I was, I was getting, getting something every week. Um, they would kind of intertwine a, a few of the guys, but I was there a lot. Storm was there a lot. Um, and then we would also get, uh, we would do security on Nitro and Thunder and then, uh, they had their WCW Saturday night show and then WCW Worldwide, which was on Sundays. So we were getting our matches on there and uh, and also doing the security. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it was a great foot in the door. The only the only downside to it, I guess, was we were there in the year 2000. So you can only imagine what was going on behind the scenes. Um, you know, we're, we're just happy to be there. But um behind in the office you know things are falling apart and we're, we're just months away from uh going down so um i was there uh, pretty much the whole year of 2000 and uh signed a contract in october so um yeah for somebody like me man it was it was so exciting you know the big two was wwf and wcw and i finally signed a contract and six months later the, <laughs> the company's uh out of business or sold and so um but I did meet. I, I got uh, I got close with uh, Jeff Jarrett there, uh, Terry Taylor, obviously. Um, uh, that's where I met Mike Tanay, Scott Hudson. Um, uh, Jimmy Hart was uh, taking care of a lot of the the Saturday night shows and uh, the worldwide. Um, he was there for a lot of that. So he even back then I was I'm very thankful that guys like Jimmy Hart, Mike Tanay, um, Scott Hudson, those guys, uh, and especially Terry Taylor. He's He's the one that signed me to the contract, uh, but I was I was very fortunate that they saw something in me, and um, and it, then that, yeah that just carried over. So when when Jeff started putting everything together, um, and had a lot of people from WCW all the way, not just the talent, but even behind the scenes. I mean, um, he's still around today. I think I believe he's doing the AEW. So um, Jeff, because he had worked with so many of the guys and trusted them, and think about it, a lot of those guys were out of out of out of a uh, out of work uh, because WWF had had everything. Um, so yeah, a lot of lot of crossover there. But um, yeah, when uh, later on in 2002, when you know the rumblings of of Jeff and TNA were coming about, um, I think Jeff really took a look at Storm and I. And um, Storm, I think he had known him since they're both from Nashville. I think he knew him already, but. Um, that definitely helped uh, at least get the eyes on us to get hired. Yeah, no, that's that's super cool. 
And so we know that you get you and James Storm had like some matches in the Nashville area that really uh, probably led to your signing in TNA early on. And they ended up putting you guys together within like the first like what two or three, I think it was the second pay-per-view. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so on the first show, you actually made an appearance in the gauntlet for the gold match. So in that battle royal for like the title. Uh, did you expect to be in the, like a long-term tag team with him uh, after you appeared in the Gauntlet for the Gold, or did you even want to be a tag team wrestler, kind of going into the company? Uh, no, going in, I mean, the honest answer would be no. I mean, you, you still think because uh, on the Indies I was primarily single, so you think going in, uh, you know, the, the big company, you're going to be a big single star. I think Storm was thinking the same thing. Um, so we were just uh, we were just happy to be a part of the first show, no matter what we were doing. I think Storm was in kind of a throwaway tag team, but um, he was still on it. And and, uh, and I was, you know, the Gauntlet for the Gold was a big match for that night. So uh, I was very happy yeah. to be in it, uh, just to be part of it. Um, but then, yeah, the second show, uh, which was actually filmed, taped that night. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they put us together uh, in a tag team and they kind of did a, did a little backstage skit. Uh, vignette to to put us together make it kind of random we went out we had our match uh one and uh th- they just kind of went from there so no i didn't expect that at all um although i did have enough of the smarts the mentality to where uh if whatever the company throws at you you just try to take it and run with it so that's kind of what storm and i did when uh when we did the first match um and we were friends uh, kind of like you you had brought up we uh we had wrestled each other numerous times um, on the Indies, especially around the Nashville area. So um, we were very familiar with with each other. We were friends. We hung out, and uh, for them to put us together, we we were okay with that. We just didn't know that, what the direction is. And to be honest with you, I don't know if TNA knew. Um, they had so many things right. going on at the very beginning stages that uh, I believe they they knew they wanted us part of the company. They they um, were, thought we had talent. They just weren't sure what to do with it. So I think it was kind of like thrown together and let's see where it goes. And so Storm and I had had the right attitude and thought, look, if this is what they're giving us, let's let's get together. And uh, if they're going to see what we can do, then let's be the best tag team out there. And that's kind of the mentality we had. I think that's obviously the right mindset. You probably wouldn't have lasted as many years as you did if, if you didn't just roll with the punches. Um you are a six-time tag team champion with James Storm, and obviously the first ever NWA tag team champions were actually AJ Styles and Jerry Lynn. So this is more of a hindsight question. Is there any were you guys maybe at all disappointed that you don't have that distinction of being the first tag team champions of the company, considering the historic run that you guys would eventually have in the company? Oh no, no, not at all. Um, I think they. You know, to get it off the ground, they had to do something that they thought they thought would capture the the attention. I guess. Um, it, did you say AJ and Jerry Lynn were the first? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, I would have preferred to go with um, more of a regular tag team. Um, those were pretty much two great, great, talented singles guys thrown together. Uh, so I would have preferred, you know, to be able to, you know, this many years later say that. You know, uh, one of those uh, great, uh, significant tag teams were the first, but um, that's what they wanted to go with, and they did. Uh, no, I don't, because uh, that's what Storm and I would have been at the time. Uh, we were, we had no name. 
Um, you know, people hadn't heard of us. So to throw us together as a tag team, we'd have kind of been just what I'm talking about. We would have, we would have just been random uh, put out there. So no, I, um, I'm, I'm glad we had at least, I mean, I, it, it wasn't that long after that. Um, I was within the first year that we had the title. So, uh, but I think that just goes to show that, you know, we were making, making a difference um, in the early years. So uh, I'm glad we had a little bit to get under our belt and um, have got, got a little bit of experience together and had the chemistry and we were getting people's attention. So um, I think TNA saw that and that's why, why they switched directions to, to where we did. Um, but no, not having that distinction. No, I mean, think about what we did have. I and mean, we had the, the longest reign for quite a number of years. Uh, I believe it was just uh, taken over uh, just a few years back by uh, Ethan Page and uh, Josh Alexander, um, the North. Um, so we had uh, the longest reign for uh, a number of years. And I still believe, I mean, I, I could be wrong about this, but I, I think we still have the, long, the, the most reigns. Uh, was six. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure about that, but yeah, I'm, I'm, we, we definitely made our mark in the company. So, well, I'm very happy with that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah. And we're, we're going to talk a lot about a lot of the different, uh, other distinguishes things that you guys have done, uh, tons of historic matches and all that kind of stuff. So we'll, we'll touch on a, a bunch of that. Uh, now within that first year, you guys ended up doing uh, a really big feud with the new church. Uh, with Father James Mitchell, Brian Lee, Slash, all that kind of stuff. Um, do you think that doing that feud with veterans like Brian Lee and James Mitchell positively uh, ended up improving your work early on within the company? Definitely. Um, not only were those guys veterans, but um, they they made us adapt to a different style. Um, I think you know we were getting the attention with our, our wrestling ability. Um, people were noticing that you know these were exciting matches and. These guys know how to how to wrestle, and um, and and we were trying to throw the entertainment. We 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 were just getting attention with that. But when we started with uh, Brian Lee and Slash, um, yeah, I'd listen to those guys because uh, we learned a lot from them. But they had a a downright brawling fighting style, yeah. And um, we kind of had to adapt to that, which we did. Um, that brought that brought that out on us. So we showed that not only could we wrestle with the best. Um, we could stand with the high flyers as well. Um, but even when we're out there to brawl and then it, it, it turns into a fight, um, we can, we can hold our own with them. And those are some crazy guys. So, um, it brought out, uh, it brought out the best in us, man. And I think that actually helped elevate us because people saw, man, these guys, you know, they can adapt to any style, even, even this crazy crap. Yeah, yeah, I think that I think it's awesome, and um, like you said, the, the brawling too. I think once we started, it was like as the feud kept heating up, it was like you guys wouldn't even do your entrance; you just book it to the ring, and everyone start kicking ass, laying in the punches, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, rig side, so yeah, it definitely. Yeah, I mean, if it was intense, we were just ready to jump on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was just gonna say it was like one of the first intense feuds where like where you would see it on the sh on the card, and we were like, we know that's gonna be at least yeah. good for us to. Compared and to and that's what we want. Yeah. yeah, that was great. Uh, as uh, we come to the end of 2002, Vince Russo finally revealed himself as being one of the masked, uh, the masked man uh, involved with Jeff Jarrett and whatnot. So going into 2003, uh, I'm just curious what your mindset was with Vince Russo. I'm sure he was involved backstage prior, but have it to be publicly known to the viewer 
Uh, what was your mindset with Vince Russo and the concept of Sports Entertainment Extreme? And then also, did you get any sense, or maybe when did you get a sense that the idea of splitting you and James Storm was maybe on the horizon in, in his mind? Um, well, I had, I was excited Vince Russo was part of it. Um, you know, I know he uh, catches a lot of flack, but um, the guy has good ideas. You know, he just um, he has bad ones too. Uh, so it's just a matter of you know we gotta we gotta try try everything and see what sticks. So um, so I, I did enjoy working with Vince Russo. He's very creative. Um, he was very helpful um, as far as me a lot of the singles stuff I did. Uh, he was very uh, helpful and instrumental in that. But um, yeah, Storm and I, we just, we were trying to ride the wave and going into 03. I mean, it's, you know, we're going, then we're entering into the second year. So um, we were just, what we were doing was working. So we just wanted to keep doing it. And um, like I said, I think the the feud with the new church was elevating us. Um, yeah, I have Russo part of it. Um, I think was helping the product, uh, his uh, sports entertainment extreme. I mean, that was different, you know, think about it. I mean, that's, that's edgy, you know, which is what uh, Russo's all about. So uh, mm-hmm. coming up with the SEX initials and sports entertainment extreme, I mean, that, that's very creative. And, uh, you know, he was looking to, to add, add to that group. Um, so um, yeah, I, I was okay with all that, you know, and then uh, of course that led to us with triple X, but, um, yeah, the only, I, I wasn't a fan of the idea of splitting us up. I mean, cause that kind of falls in Russo's lap too. He, he's one of those guys that, um, if, if you have a successful tag team, the first thing he thinks of is, okay, well, let's split them up and have them feud and then we'll see what happens. Well, unfortunately what, when we see what happens, a lot of times you get lost in the shuffle. Um, so when we were, even though we were new, um, and, you know, we're kind of taught to, you know, to work, but keep your mouth shut. Um, we saw that we had something special. And when there was talk of uh, splitting us up, we just, we decided to open our mouth. And, uh, you know, we uh, we went to them and said, look, we really think we can d- do a lot more with this. And uh, I think it would be a mistake to split us up at this time. And uh, we were pretty strong about it. And, you know, usually you know, a lot of times the, what the company wants, company gets. But um, thank God they listened to us. And um, I think we proved that, you know, we had a lot more life left in us. But, um, yeah, that that was a that was an early idea. And I think they teased it a little bit. You, you got, if you guys just mm-hmm. watched it recently, then, you know, probably more than I do. But, yeah, the, there was a lot of tease in there. But in the end, they kept us together. And I'm really glad they did. Yeah, definitely. I I remember there was one segment in particular that I remember making us laugh so much watching it. <laughs> and there was like the sex locker room, which was in the back of the it was the back of the asylum in like the closet. It, it looked like a closet. It was like a bathroom almost. <laughs> and you you're sitting in there and you got you got the sex shirt on and James Storm comes in and he's like, "What are you doing?" And you're like, "I'm just hanging out with my friends." <laughs> 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 and it's yeah, like, my, my point was, uh, I guess I was coming at it like. Um, you know, because every so often you you know go behind the curtain kind of thing, and um, I was trying to give my my opinion of hey, you can wrestle guys and still go have a beer with them afterwards. You know, which of course right, what right. we all did anyway. But uh, to say it on camera, that was you know kind of the beef. So storms like you're hanging out with the enemy, 
Yep. I'm like, hey, why can't I, you know, hang out with with all the guys, you know? So it was kind of a, a little uh, clash there. So I thought that brought something a little interesting to it because by that point, people did know that you know a lot of the wrestlers hang out, and um, yep. so yeah, it was just something a little different. So yeah, there was a little tease in there. Oh yeah, there's definitely there's definitely some teases, and even uh, not a tease, but you guys ended up working with the Rock and Roll Express during the sex storyline as well, which is yeah. I mean had to be huge for you guys, I, I would imagine. Oh, we love that. I mean, those those are one of the main teams that we watched growing up and that we had learned from. So, I mean, you couldn't get uh, a, a better babyface tag team out there. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, to, first we were getting the rub from them, but then, yeah, they quickly, you know, who would, who would, um, who would ever imagine the rock and roll express were, would turn on tradition. Yeah. And, right. Uh, go with uh, sports entertainment extreme. So yeah, they did a little turn on us and we, we, um, we had known rock and roll express before that, but I don't, I don't, yeah, that was the first time I think we worked as a tag team with them. So uh, to be able to work with those guys was incredible. And of course, that's a it, we say it's out of their element. Although they're they're so such pros, they can be heels too. So uh, it was great to get the work. We had a couple matches with them there. Yeah, yeah, no, it was it was awesome. It was cool. And I mean, they're still like working now. It's crazy. Yeah, that's uh, I, I don't even get it. I don't. It, <laughs> Ricky Ricky Morton's a machine. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I thought Bobby, I thought you were going to chime in. No, you know? you, no, you're good. Uh, so you actually, you mentioned, you know, your coming matches here with Triple X, because, I mean, once again, that's kind of part of the uh, Sports Entertainment Extreme storyline. Uh, that's how they got their name and all that kind of stuff. So over the course of the next several months, you guys ended up having this super heated rivalry with them, and it climaxed at the first ever Steel Cage match in, on June 25th, 2003. Uh, so what was the kind of the feeling between you and I guess well, all the guys really uh, heading into such a big time match in company history. Well, we were honored to even have that spot um, for, for TNA uh, to, to put us in that spot and, and trust us uh, to have the first cage match um, in TNA. I believe it was the first one, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, it was. Yep. Okay. Uh, but yeah, to have the first cage match in TNA, I mean, and you know, think about that, you know, how many, there's really not many tag team cage matches to begin with. So for that to be the first one to trust the tag team, I mean, that, that that's saying that the company had a lot of faith in us. So um, yeah, we, and of course we had worked with, with them so many times right before that, like you said, leading up to it, uh, we had great chemistry with them. Uh, but it, that's just the time that you got to turn it up a notch, you know, no matter how many times you work, you know, putting it in a cage uh, definitely changes a lot of things. So, um, but we, uh, we got in there, we were there with Daniels. I always say Daniels is a, he was one of those ring generals um, and Elix, you know, has an unbelievable amount of talent. Um, low key was part of that uh, as well. Uh, just mm -hmm. not the cage match, but um, you know, low key is very talented as well. So we, no matter what the two out of three combination we had, we had great matches with them. And then when you, yeah, when you get that cage match, man, it's time to turn it up and we got to, we got to pull everything out. So uh, for a long time, that was the match people talked about, but once we had the six sides of steel, it's almost like people forgot about that first cage match. But i tell you what, I, I, I'd hold that, that cage match up to, to anything, man. I think, I still think that's one of the great ones. 
It, absolutely. I was just going to say, too, I th- I'm pretty sure that ended up being our favorite match of like all 2003 as we watched through like all the shows. At least I think oh. it was I think it was mine. I mean, I, watching it all, it was like, damn, that cage match still really stands out. I mean, it was really, really good. It was awesome. Oh, thank you, man. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. A little fun fact about that. So it is I think it was also mine. Um, pretty sure. And yeah. And what's crazy is that we had a recording difficulties. So we lost the episode. So we had to watch oh. it again. Oh, and yeah. it was still as good. We it were still, still like, good. well, it doesn't even matter. Like, <laughs> yeah. It was, it was really great. Nothing wrong with part two. That's, that's right. right. Uh, so obviously the feud with Triple X is pretty well known amongst the TNA fan base, diehards, however you want to word it. But one that we both, Dallas and I feel like is severely underrated and doesn't get the recognition uh, is your series of matches with Johnny Swinger and Simon Diamond, which that started back on July 9, 2003. What are some of your memories working with Swinger and Diamond? And also that feud included, I believe, at least in TNA, the first time you would team up with Dusty Rhodes. Yeah. No, I'm glad you brought that up because in, in that whole uh, period of time, um, yeah, New Church was first and then uh, the, the matches with Triple X were incredible, but a lot of times that does get overlooked. Um, um, I did not know a lot of their history. I didn't watch a lot of ECW, um, but I certainly knew their names and, and knew they had a, a you know great tag team reputation. So when they were bringing them in, I mean, uh, the fun fact of this little little bit of the inside, I, I a lot of times, especially once we were champions, um, you know, they would they would just bring in tag teams, so uh, you know, for us to to beat and to uh, continue with the titles. Um, I think that was that was what they were going to do with those guys. And uh, I've talked to these to both those guys uh, uh, a lot about that. Uh, but I think it was going to be a one off. Um, they were going to bring them in. They had a good name to them. Come in, um, and uh, America's Most Wanted uh, comes out on top, and you know, just another great team for us to beat. Uh, but it would have to go back to that first match that we, we had such great chemistry in the first match. And uh, it, it, I think the match was just so good. And we, uh, we made it very competitive. It was not one-sided at all. Mm-hmm. Um, we had them believing that, uh, that Simon and Swinger could, could actually be the champ. So um, I think after that, um, I don't know the timeline they you'd have to ask them, but they were signed to a contract not long after that because of uh, the, the performance that they did. So, uh, so man, yeah, we just continued that on, and uh, they they did in fact actually wind up beating us for the titles at one point. Um, we got uh, Glenn Gilberti in there uh, as a third man for them. So, yeah, why not uh, go and grab the American Dream uh, to be our partner? So, yeah, that was of course just like we were talking about with the Rock and Roll Express to be able to be aligned with Dusty Rhodes, man. I mean, come on, you know, it's, yeah. It's, it's just that's just a thrill, man. And so we had uh, we had some six man tags. Uh, it was always fun to have Dusty a part of that. And um, we always we always talked about how Dusty and Dustin were like the honorary members of America's Most Wanted because we did so many six mans with them. Um, but yeah, I, I loved both those guys. And uh, yeah, we just we had a lot of fun. And I, I thought this, the storyline was was great. Um, but yeah, I, that, those are some of my favorite matches with uh, Johnny Swinger and Simon Diamond. Yeah, I mean, like Bob said, watching those, it was that I feel like that those series of matches, it was like you truly never knew who was going to win. It was always so close. And then you did like the there's like a rawhide strap match and like a 
tag team bull rope match and all that kind of stuff all involved. Yeah. I mean, they were so adding these different stipulations onto the are already great matches. It was it was truly one of the the best feuds of 2003 especially and like bob said unfortunately it gets overlooked a little bit too much i think but i mean we had to make sure we got in there that we were going to be able to strap glenn kilberty that was that was the payoff <laughs> there, you, there you had go. To that in there <laughs> yeah. again no matter what yeah like you said no matter what uh what type of match we were having um you know it just it really played a part in that so um it, it was it was a lot of fun man so yeah that's awesome and kind of uh, going off of the American Dream, you guys ended up being part of the TNA's essentially the first like War Games match. It was the Wednesday Bloody Wednesday match on August twentieth, two thousand three. Uh, so, did you think that that uh, solidified you that you were a priority in TNA at this point, mm-hmm. being part of such um, like a major match? And also, kind of how is structuring? essentially a war games style match different than your normal tag team matches that you would do oh well i have to think back to some strategy there um we definitely did feel like we were we were um part of the the main core of tna um there were i mean what we had just talked about you know being the first tag team in a, a first cage match um that was that was really big um and then we were finding out um on a two-hour show, um, of course, the main focus is going to revolve around the heavyweight championship. So that's going to take place in a lot of the main events. But um, I noticed that there was a lot of those uh, those two-hour events, the pay-per-views, where we would start off the, the show. And, and I take a lot of pride into that because a lot of people don't realize, you know, they call it, you know, curtain jerker or something like that. But mm-hmm. you have to start every show off with something exciting. Um, that's going to get the people's attention and keep them. So um, when they would put us in those matches, I, I, I took a lot of pride in that, that uh, we were, we were the first match out there and they trusted us enough to know that no matter how, who they were throwing us out there with, uh, they were, they were going to get a good match out of us. Um, So yeah, I I was feeling, feeling pretty good about that. And then, yeah, it's, it's almost like, you know, that's one of your, 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 you, know, you watch it as as a, a fan those war games matches and you just dream about being being a part of that sometimes so um yeah i i loved uh being a part of that um yeah it's a, it is a total different strategy because you know once you get in there there's not you don't make tags so mm-hmm. you're not you're not putting together a tag team match you know you got a four man team and um i think we went out there you know every we, we took turns going in, right? It wasn't just, it didn't just start off with these guys. So, right. Um, so, yeah, you just have to strategize as far as, you know, who can last the longest and, um, you know, who you put out there first and then, you know, save a, a heavy hit at the end um, to come in and do, do cleanup, uh, so to speak. So, um, I love being a part of that. Um, it, you know, you, of course, we couldn't call it the war games, but it felt like right. a war. And that's what you want to go into. And, and you want to give the people that that sense that, you know, we're eight guys going in and get ready to battle and just knock the hell out of each other. And there's, and we even called it uh, Wednesday, bloody Wednesday. So um, they, they knew it was going to be a bloody battle. And that's, that's what right. we gave them. Yeah, no, definitely. It's crazy because, I mean, I'm, I haven't pulled up here too, but looking at who was in the match, we even watched it and, well, Bob, it's been over over a year now. But, I mean, so you, James Storm, D'Lo Brown, Jeff Jarrett, and Raven, 
and you guys defeated AJ Styles, Daniels, Swinger, Shane Douglas, and Simon Diamond, and Eric Watts was the referee. It's wild. Wow, man. Oh, it's so crazy. Okay. Yeah, it's now, crazy. In one ring, not even a two. In, in one, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I wish we'd have had the two, but yeah, I mean, yeah. throwing 10 guys in one ring, man, it, it, it's going to get chaotic. You almost have to expect that. Absolutely. Right. Uh, kind of another tag team, at least initially, um, where you guys have had, and when I say countless, I mean, this is an understatement, countless memorable matches was uh, with the Naturals, Andy Douglas and Chase Stevens. Uh, your first outing with them, at least in TNA, was September 24th, 2003, and it aired on Explosion, uh, which, Scott Demore, please somehow find all that Explosion footage. Yeah, we're we waiting for it. We really need to see it some Yeah, Brian, Brian Turner is releasing some over on YouTube for us, and he's a friend of the show. So keep on finding okay. that footage and hopefully be on there. Um, so you guys had countless memorable matches, both you know in the Tennessee area, TNA, other companies. Uh, where, when did you guys maybe realize or notice that there was a different level of chemistry with Stevens and Douglas? Because, you know, you look at like the Midnight Express and Rock and Roll Express, like every time they went out, they tore it down. And it seemed like throughout the years, no matter what, you guys just, you, you four guys just have a chemistry that you guys, no matter the arena, whether there's 50 people in the crowd or 5,000, you guys are going to put on one hell of a match. So when did you guys kind of figure out, like, okay, these guys might be a team that we could work with and have great matches for a long time? Uh, we probably felt it before uh, TNA even existed. Um, same as I had the history with Storm. Um, once we were together, we were doing a lot of uh, – we were going around the horn um, with the Naturals, man. I mean, we we went everywhere. And then even once we got into TNA, you know, we, then we were traveling the country wrestling those guys. So – uh, we went everywhere with them, and I just I, – I have to uh, – I mean, chalk it up to chemistry. We definitely had great chemistry with them, um, and we knew that going in. I mean, th those are the kind of guys that um, we could go into a match and not have any anything set up or planned or anything like that. I mean, those are guys we could go out and – same thing. We could do great wrestling matches, but, um, you know, you get – it's a little bit more lenient on indies. So, you know, if we wanted to take it out to the crowd – I can't tell you how many times James Storm and Chase Stevens were out in that crowd just fighting at the concession stand. They were tipping over garbage can. I mean, it was it was it was crazy. So um, yeah, we just we went everywhere with those guys. So for us to be able to put it on a, a TV or a pay per view level, um, I'm glad they gave those guys an opportunity. And when they saw the saw the great matches and the chemistry, they just uh, kept going with it. So um, yeah, I loved wrestling. Chase and Andy. Um, it actually started out. I, I don't know if a lot of people remember this, but it was uh, when TNA first started out. Uh, Chase Stevens was part of the Hot Shots with Cassie O'Reilly. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, oh, we're, and, we remember. <laughs> yeah. So and Andy was uh, Andy was kind of a singles guy around the Nashville area, and uh, but at, we were all friends, so we all hung out. And um, I don't know. I, I I couldn't speak on uh, what uh, what was going on with Cassidy, but. Um, they, they definitely, they went with, uh, Andy and chase as the naturals and they just, uh, kind of the same thing. I think they, they saw an opportunity to make something work and they went with it. So, uh, yeah, I love, I love all our matches with those guys. Yeah, we do too. I mean, and I know, yeah. so like we've just got barely to the end of 2004 and I know 2005, there's like at least a couple of pay-per-view matches that are just like. Uh, you know, the unfortunate passing of Chris Candido. I know there was one like shortly before, I think also after 
where like this the emotion of all that and you guys were part of that so it was a lot of memorable yeah, moments and, to and just to just to keep the interest going we wound up uh, i think it was towards maybe 2005 2006 we wound up flip-flopping we went on a heel run right. they were the big baby faces and uh we still had great matches you know so um who would have ever thought you know because america's most were always the baby faces they were the dreaded heels and we flipped that and just it, it had great matches then and it was uh, it was really exciting yeah yeah, that's uh, that's crazy. I can't wait to. I've I've seen a lot of the you know older stuff like that, but, but since we started the podcast, I've refrained myself from watching it again, like uh, to refresh myself because uh, I don't want to spoil it. It's more fun. But I'm a uh, I'm super excited to get to 2005 and 2006. That's like peak uh, TNA fandom for me. I feel like so. Yeah, it was, I, it was hot then. We had some we had a fun uh, heel run. Yeah, I'm super excited. Uh, so now, kind of wrapping up 2003, that kind of everything's kind of happened there. You had the huge feud with Swinger and Diamond, which definitely I think the highlight, at least for me. Um, now in early 2004, James Storm gets injured, and you begin your first substantial singles run in TNA, uh, and that yeah, essentially began beginning with your first singles match with Jeff Jarrett on February 18, 2004, which then eventually led to your first NWA World Title match on March 17th. Uh, so unfortunately, you ended up losing both of those matches against him. But how was it working with Jarrett for the title, and how were the interactions with him about these matches? Um, yeah, it was a, it was an honor to be able to get in there with Jeff. I mean, he had obviously been the top guy for a long time, um, and you know, Storm goes out with an injury, and you know, a lot of times when that happens, man, I mean, the tag teams just get forgotten about. So I'm really glad that they uh, decided to take me in, in a singles direction and plus it kind of gave me the confidence back that I can still do singles you know I got so used to tag teams so um that that really uh built up my confidence a lot um I was in there with you know guys like um you know Ron Killings, Raven and AJ um you know so uh but yeah getting that little run with Jeff and and the thing is the people were behind it you know I didn't oh, yeah. just I didn't just come across I don't think as um, just one half of a tag team that the champ's going to demolish. I, I think people really bought into, especially that that title match. They really thought that my dog. At least it's not. It's, at least it's not Peach this time, Dallas. Sorry, sorry about that, guys. That's my dog here. He's not supposed to have. So, um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I. I I, I, we, yeah, we really had people believing um, that there was going to be a t title switch or that, you know, I, I was going to give him a run for his money, which I, I think I really did. So, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I love that. And, you know, Jeff had so much going on at the time. And we've all, um, I think we all know uh, Jeff Jarrett, the worker, um, just uh, one of the best. Um, he's definitely a ring general. He can handle any situation he, he's in. Uh, but I did notice that uh, in our matches, um, he's got so much other things to take care of that I wanted him to feel like he could put a little bit of trust into me. So uh, when I went with him, went to him with ideas, you know, he's taking care of everything with the company, doing his thing, running around like crazy. But mm -hmm. once we get a chance to sit down, I think he he trusted me to kind of put an outline together, and that's what I did. And so um, I went to him. Gave him what I had, and you know he would fine tune or you know just uh, touch up a, a few things. 
and we had a great match. So um, I, I'm really thankful that he put some trust into me um, instead of just adding more onto his plate. But um, and that was like I said, that was that was a test for me, a test to be able to hang with somebody like Jeff Jarrett, a test to be able to be in a world title match. I mean, I grew up on NWA. That was big. Um, so I, I really uh, I took that as a, a huge step for me and um, trying to trying to put something together that the people would really get emotionally uh, tied into, you know, take them on a roller coaster. And uh, that's what I worked for. Jeff put his trust in me and I thought we had some great matches. Oh, yeah, I, I think definitely. And I'm sure Bob Bob will say the the same, but like there, I think it was like the big title match. It was like we really want Chris Harris to win this title. And mind you, I it's funny because I was I haven't seen most of the weekly the weekly Wednesday night show, so I'm watching a lot of them for the first time live on the podcast. And so uh, I'm marking out as if I'm in the asylum, wanting this shit to happen. And then of course it it doesn't. But <laughs> that's awesome, man. I love hearing that. It's yeah. like you, you already know what's going on, but to be able to watch it and focus on it, it, it just say, sucks you in, man. So that's great to hear. Yeah, this was uh, that time, April 2004. You know, you were scheduled to have a cage match with Jared, and they were setting up for weeks. And I remember back in 2004, I'm 15, and you were the first guy that I was like 100% in on, like a TNA original. I was like, Chris Harris is going to win the title in the cage i'm gonna flip out this is great and then i think i was like refreshing one of the wrestling websites and it was like chris harris shoulder got you know attacked by raven or, you know and wasn't in the match and i'm like are you are you kidding me it's 9 30 at night and i'm like this guy is not even what are they doing to me right now <laughs> so that was one of the first times i ever got really just pissed off about the tna booking of course the other one being when raven didn't win the title but my question source of uh, yeah, that's not, I know, that's a sensitive subject here on, on the podcast. But my question for you really is the, regarding the cage match, um, you know, getting, I guess, essentially pulled from it in favor of AJ to win the title from Jeff Jarrett. When was when, that kind of told to you? Like, when did they say, hey, Chris, we're, we're pulling you from the main event? Was there, what was your reaction to it? Um, did Jeff communicate anything with you? And I know, uh, also, I don't mean to continue to ramble on here, but there was been reports that Russo had wanted to put the title on you. And then that was next. Is there any recollection of that? Well, a lot to, a lot to go over here. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'll have to say first that that uh, you're not the first one to where that's, the, uh, you're not the only one where that's the first time you got pissed off. I, was, I, I, I tell <laughs> you, my blood is boiling just even thinking about it because like this is <laughs> yeah. a perfect time for like uh, right before TV you know, not that it was announced yet, but I was like, Chris Harris is about to win the title. You have a fantastic look. You're young. You could go. And I'm like, what do we, let's go. Let's get the bell up chair. He's pissing me off anyway. I'm 15. Let's go with Chris Harris. We can do it. And I was refreshing WrestleView.com. I was like, come on, come on. Nothing. I was like, couldn't believe it. Yeah, I've learned. Um, I, I had an idea then, and then I have learned over the years that uh, I believe they were going to pull the trigger with me. Um, and that's been more from, I, I think it's been from Vince's mouth. Um, he's, uh, he's told me himself, and I believe he's been very vocal about it, that that was a direct, I can remember him um, saying the words to me that we have built this story so well that uh, we have to go in that direction. And I was just trying to ride the wave. I mean, because I remember doing a lot of uh, promos, a lot of 
vignettes uh, leading up to this cage match. And uh, of course, you know, we had the King of the Mountain and all that leading up to it. So that with the other guys, but then they went, they went in the direction with Jeff and I. And um, I remember doing promos uh, like the old school WWF where you know, the cage is in front of you and I'm holding onto the cage and, you know, doing promos in front of the cage. And um, yeah, I was just excited for, for, to, to do that. And, um, and to see the direction they were, they were taking with it. But um, yeah, I, I, I want to say, you know, I, I guess the best thing is I, I want to be a company man. So whatever, whatever direction they want to take, uh, I'm going to go with, but I did, I did not know about that until the day before. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, I was actually at um, Bob Ryder, Bob Ryder's uh, apartment. Um, in Nashville, you know, of course, the show's the next day, so I was down there. I was very close with Bob, um, so I was uh, at his place, and I got the phone call, and it was um, it was Jeff and Dutch, Dutch Mantel, and they proceeded to tell me the direction they were going to go, that I was not even, you know, of course, I'm thinking this whole time about, you know, what to do in the match, and then to find out that I'm not even in the match, and um you know, they were going to go with AJ with none of this at all. Anything I say is directed towards AJ because you can't go wrong with AJ. Um, but, um, but yeah, I was, I was devastated. I was disappointed. Um, I felt like I'd really worked hard for this and, and it was working. Um, what, since what I've been told, I think when we all leave on uh, the, the week before, uh, the plan was to go with me. Um, and then by the time they come back, uh, maybe, I don't know, I got it. Let's see the pay-per-views on Wednesday. Um, and I got the call Tuesday night. So maybe they had a production meeting Tuesday and that's when they decided that. So, um, yeah, it was, it was an awful feeling. Um, like I said, I try to be a company man and go with whatever they want, but I, my emotions were involved in that. So I was uh, very, very emotional about that. Um, and then the next day, you know, when I find out, okay, how are we going to do this? Um, <laughs> you know, when they were telling me that I was going to be taken out by Raven, which I did have the program with Raven. Um, so mm -hmm. I, I can see that part. But when he was going to take out my shoulder and I'm not even going to be in the title match, I, I, um, you know, and this is one of those things where, you know, you're probably just supposed to keep your mouth shut, but I questioned um, how we were going to do it. And, uh, I said, you know, you, I don't care what shape my shoulder is in. I'm going for the world title. I would walk out there with crutches if I had to, to get in that match. And I said, you know, how am I doing? I, we, I believe we did a vignette where I'm telling Russo, you know, I'm out, but put Storm in, you know. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, it's like I'm, I'm, I'm accepting the fact that I'm not in it when, in my mind, um, the wrestler's mind, uh, and maybe, you know, you could even call me, I guess, being a mark for myself, maybe just, uh, I, I was like, you know, there's nothing that you could do that would keep me out of that title match. And I remember Jeff got, um, he got pissed at me. Um, there was, there was a little heat there where he, I was, because he took it as me questioning him and uh, that's just something you don't do. I mean, you, you, you gotta go with the program, you know, this is what they want and that's what I have to do. So, um, yeah, we went in that direction and, um. And then, you know, to see that AJ even wound up winning it, um, that was, 
kind of a surprise to me where I was like, wow, you know, I, I thought maybe they, they saw that the story had to go with me, but they, they didn't want to go in that direction. So it was going to stay on Jeff, but they went ahead and changed the, changed the belt anyway. So um, I was a little confused with that, but I tried to do the right, right thing. I remember um, because after we did the, the, you know, they, I was out uh, with the, in the ambulance, um, but I was still there. I was still at the show and um, I made sure that, um, when AJ came back from that match, I wanted to be the first guy uh, behind that curtain to shake his hand. So I wanted AJ at all, and I had always, uh, we always had a great friendship, uh, huge respect for each other. So I wanted him to know that no matter what emotions I was feeling, uh, it was not directed towards him at all. So um, I, I shook his hand and I said, congratulations and uh, left it at that. But I was still, I, I was upset about it. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I couldn't tell. I wasn't in the meeting, so I don't know why they decided. Um, I was under the impression that, uh, like you guys had mentioned earlier, we were getting ready to go to TV. Um, so in the long run, you know, they wound up putting it back on Jeff. And so what I had thought they were leading to is uh, I knew that going into TV, they wanted the belts on the prime people um, for, because we were going to go to a whole new audience. And so right. they wanted to go with, Jeff being the world champion, he's got the, the bigger name out of everybody. Um, we had done well with ourselves, so uh, that once Storm was healthy, they went back with uh, with us getting the belts for the tag teams. And then they actually took AJ back to the X Division. They put the X Division title back on AJ because they felt like that's where the belts should be for us to go to a whole new audience. That I completely understood. Um, but if they were going to put it on AJ and then take it back and put it on Jeff, um, yeah, I was a little confused as, you know, maybe, did I do something wrong? You know, why, why couldn't we have, uh, kind of given the people what they wanted, um, and, uh, give a little, even if it was a short title reign, you know, I think it, I think with the story we were, we were telling, uh, where Jeff was saying I wasn't ready, um, cause I, you know, I'd never had the title before. So they were going to, uh, you know, take a, take a chance on me. Um, I thought that was a great story where I was saying, I am ready. I am ready. And Jeff's saying, you're not ready. And, uh, and even for that title, the, the title match we were talking about earlier that I lost, um, you talk about thinking people, uh, people thinking I was going to win. I even had my family there. Um, you know, that, that's how big of a deal that was. They came down to Nashville for that show. And I think once you know, once Mike today starts talking about my my mother and my family, my brother, my sister being in the in the front row, uh, you know, people, everybody that's trying to figure this out. They're going, oh, my God, they're good. Uh, Wildcats winning the title. And then take it away from them, you know. That that's you know, that's emotion, man. Um, so yeah, there's there's kind of the inside of it. Um, I I don't know the whole explanation, but um, you know, we went with it. That's the direction we went. I'm very thankful that I had the opportunities that I did with that, and, and that's some of my greatest memories is um, that whole run with Jeff and uh, the names I mentioned before um, for that NWA World Title. So it was it was great. Yeah. That's a uh, that's awesome. Yeah, it, as a viewer, it was one of the most frustrating things. To, as I said before, <laughs> and then having to come back, you know, 10, 15 years later, since Did I last it watched it, to watch it again, Relive and then it. yeah, and like you see, like the first match between you guys, like the audience, they obviously like loved the like, U and AMW, but I feel like they kind of were like, oh come on, Chris, this we know it's Jeff, this is gonna happen, right? And then we saw them get into it. The second match. They wanted you to win oh, yeah. that belt. Oh yeah. They were yeah. that March show. It's like, yep. And then we were like, as soon as they announced the cage, we're like, Chris is getting it. We were like, that's gotta be like, it. How do you gotta not do, do it? it? 
And then everything you're saying about the injury and, and whatnot, it just seemed, again, as a viewer, like if you were to just storm out of that locker room in a sling and then still beat Jeff Jarrett for the belt, even if you got beat down for 10 minutes and you still won yeah. it, because of the story, we would have, as again, as a fan, as a viewer, we would have gone nuts about it compared yeah. to like an ice cold feud with AJ where it's just like, okay, let's go do AJ. Yeah, I mean, that's one great thing I have to say about Vince Russo. He is a great storyteller. And the way we were telling that story oh, yeah. for weeks, I mean, we were telling it for weeks yeah. leading up to that. So for everybody to be taking on that emotional roller coaster and we finally get to that and to not give him that climax, you know, I, that's why I think Vince would tell you himself, he's like, I wrote it to where, yes, we were going in that direction and give it to him. So to take it away from everybody, including myself, uh, yeah, that's a that's a that's a kick to the gut, man. Yeah, I mean it, it's kind of crazy too because as, as you kind of already mentioned, uh, so obviously Styles wins it, but then not too long after Ron Killings wins it in the Deadly Draw match, just before Jeff Jarrett wins it back in the King of the Mountain match. So okay. it's it's crazy how like boom 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 right before the debut of TV, um, which you know as you kind of noted they wanted to put the the belts on the the known names the bigger stars so that people you know new audiences would recognize these guys or come to love them i guess in the case of like uh amw but uh do you think that with i feel like at this time i guess is a good way to start this is jeff jarrett is essentially be beating everyone that he he fights so do you think that there was any resentment by some of the younger talent i guess including really yourself about his dominance at the time with the like the NWA title? Uh, moving through it, I would say there probably was. I mean, there was there was talk in the back, and Jeff's heard all this. So um, yeah, there was talk I'm sure. of, like, you know, hey, it's become the Jeff Jarrett show. And um, hell, I think I even did a part of that story. I did a promo saying that uh, he's turned it into the Jeff Jarrett show. Mm -hmm. um, he, we were kind of bringing it in on camera. But um, when you look back on it, and I think a lot of us have heard some explanations from Jeff. I mean, um, who do you trust more than yourself? Um, when you're when you're putting the company together and you're running it, um, you know, and you're signing talent and going through contracts and things like that, um, you have to put a lot of faith into who you're going to put in that top spot. And um, I think that that was just a safe bet for Jeff. Um, you know, going all the way back to the first champion, you know, Ken Shamrock couldn't, I mean, a huge name um, mm -hmm. to put the NWA world title on that, him. Um, I think that was a great call for them to do that. And then you just kind of uh, start working the programs from there. Um, so for Jeff to, to, to have that belt, um, I, I, looking back, I don't think it's, it's such a bad idea that, uh, that we did at the time. Um, you know, yeah, we're always like, well, let's build up new talent and let's, you know, Jeff pass it on to somebody else. Well, I mean, he did that at times, but then, of course, it would always go back to him. So that made us all question that then. But um, right. yeah, I think he was I think it was just a safe bet. Um, and then he would every so often. I think he did it with AJ and um, a few others where, you know, they, they would conquer the king, the, the king of the mountain. They would conquer him and then he would just you know, get it right back. You know, think about it. That's uh, that's very similar to what they did with Flair, uh, you know, back in the day. Um, you know, Flair would give it away and, uh, but he would fight back and take it, take the title back. So I think that was just kind of a little pattern that Jeff was following at the time. And, um, you know, and we would, we would, I guess he would test different people as far as, uh, who to put it on and, uh, what direction to go. So 
Um, living through the moment, um, there's probably some resentment from a lot of people, um, or mm -hmm. at least questioning it. Um, I may have questioned uh, the experience that we just went through, but I wasn't so much of a um, vocal about it because I was um, I was concentrating on what we were doing with the tag team. So, um, but I right. think a lot of uh, a lot of guys probably looked at it that way. Um, but think you, you got to put yourself in Jeff's shoes. You know, when, when uh, guys are coming in and out, and you know, you don't even know if this guy's going to be here next week or in six months, or you know, trying to trying to go in those directions. So, um, yeah, I think um, I mean that's just you know, Jeff probably did what a lot of a lot of us would have done. Yeah, no, I, I think that makes sense. Yeah, and I think he's even gone on record saying that you got to be able to trust yourself. You know, you you can only trust, as you mentioned, you can only really trust yourself, yeah. and especially in that era of what they were uh, dealing with contract-wise. Um, June 2004, it's been two years, and then you guys yeah. finally get a national TV deal with Fox Sports Net. What was the feeling in the locker room about getting the TV deal? Because it seemed like on a weekly basis, it was being reported. It's the end. They're never going to get For enough real. money. Panda comes in and I guess bails out the Jareds. But we finally get a deal on FSN. What was your reaction in the, amongst the guys in the back of finally getting a TV deal? Oh, it was huge. Um, yeah, we had heard those rumblings. I mean, right after day one, um, you know, people were saying this this company isn't going to And it would just, you know, we, we just kept pulling through, you know, for whatever – Whatever, whatever they had to do to uh, keep us going, um, you know, we were in support of that. So, uh, yeah, two years into it, um, we hear hear the deal about Fox Sports, and um, you know, some people may look at it. Well, that's not you don't you're not going to get that many more viewers on it. But um, first off, any TV TV deal is going to be great. Um, mm -hmm. You are going to get more viewers, and it's going to help build for what eventually would be our monthly pay per views. But um, yeah, we were just we were just so happy we were going to be able to be seen on a weekly show, and and not only that, but um, Fox Sports Net. I mean, that's Fox Sports One, whatever whatever it was called, but um, you know that's sports oriented. So you know, it's not a sports entertainment channel. I mean, they 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 were uh, legit. So for them to have a deal with those guys, and you know, we were going to have a, it was I think it was just a a one hour show at the time, but Mm -hmm. to, to have a show on that and you know of course you're going to have to cram a lot of stuff in that one hour but um i think they brought some legitimacy to it you know and really helped us uh, put us on the map to, to keep growing so that was just one of the that's i look at it as that was that was one of the steps in the the growing of tna um to get that tv deal we were super excited about it man we knew how big of a deal it really was were you guys like concerned at all about the uh, time slot because i remember here in new york it was Fridays at three, so I'd like have to run from school to catch it on time. Was that ever like a concern for you guys? Um, and I feel like it switched so many times. I think yeah, it was an afternoon show. I think maybe we had a, a middle of the night show at times, um, or maybe mm -hmm. that was a replay. I can't remember, but yeah, I mean we were. That's something you have to work for. I mean when they when they first put you on, you're gonna have have a probably a shit time slot. Uh, and just kind of go from there. And I guess that's where the ratings come in. Um, and eventually, hopefully you just get, get on a, on a better, better time slot, better day. Um, I don't even remember what days we were, we were on Fridays. It sounds 
Sounds familiar. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we were just willing to take what we could get. Um, and just, and it's one of those things where, you know, here, this is what you're presented and we'll work from there. And we have to be able to put on a great show, um, get enough viewers in to where the, 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 uh, channel can say, you know, okay, we're, we're willing to give you a better time slot or, um, you know, eventually more time or, you know, just things like that, but you have to earn that. So that we were willing to get out there. I mean, we had the talent to do it. We just had to put some interesting TV on. Yeah, definitely. Now, and on that first episode of Impact, you and James Storm finally teamed back up, and you ended up winning the tag team title. So this is your this is in June, June fourth. You guys haven't teamed up since February fourth at this time, and it was on an explosion. So on a weekly show, even it's been a while. So you ended up defeating Kid Cash in Dallas, which ironically enough is my name too. But um, <laughs> is, <laughs> uh, so how was it? How did it feel to be finally back as a team with James Storm? Oh, great. Um, it, it, was, it was a shame we lost some time, but um, I, as I said before, I got to live another dream, you know, wor working with the NWA world world, world title. Um, but this was along those lines of, um, okay, Jeff was going to be world champion. AJ was the X division champion. Instead of us going in as champions, why not show that first show and have a title change on the show? Um, so I thought that was great, uh, great booking. Um, you know, for those that did know, uh, America's most wanted, uh, they were, they were with us and we were in a whole new, uh, that was when we were doing the TV out of Orlando. So, uh, we went down there and had a whole new audience, man. And for us to go in there, um, and get, just set it off the blast, man, um, kick off the TV the right way, uh, do a title change and the people were with us. Um, it was exciting. I think it was really ex exciting uh, to get the belts again. Um, Cash and Dallas were great opponents. I mean, you got the big guy in there. He was still learning at the time. Of course, nice veteran now. Um, yeah. And Cash was uh, super talented, man. So um, those guys you know, did the favor for us and um, put us in that spot. But it was I thought it was very exciting. I'm glad they saved that title change until the, the first uh, first Fox, Fox Sports Net. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was uh, we we've really enjoyed uh, the Kid Cash stuff. But speaking of Kid Cash, around this time he had some explosive interviews uh, on various internet wrestling shows, uh, where he was bashing talent uh, and he would name drop guys like AJ Styles, America's Most Wanted, uh, in the in the company in general too. But did these uh, comments ever get back to you? Or any of the guys involved? Was there any ever any kind of confrontation? I know he's gone on record now saying he was really trying to get fired because he didn't want to be there anymore. But <laughs> were any of these comments brought to your attention, and was there any confrontation for it? Um, yeah, I, I'd heard. Um, I don't know if I heard him right then or what, but I definitely know about him. Um, but yeah, he. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why they just didn't let him go. If he wanted, who wants who who wants somebody <laughs> yeah. that doesn't want to be there? Um. Okay. Yeah, there was a, there was a period of time uh, where Kid Cash was he was a very bitter guy, um, wasn't the, the greatest to get along with, um, kind of walked around with a chip on his shoulder, um, thought he was better than everybody else, and he certainly thought he was better than what he was being portrayed at. So, um, um, I, I I first have to say I've I've seen him since. Uh, um, I think he's a different person. Even he would say that uh, he had a bad attitude back then. Um, 
but yeah, he would, um, for whatever reason, he, I don't, I'm not sure why I couldn't really explain why he hated the company, but yeah, he had um, name dropped. I, I agree. I mean, I heard a lot about AJ and I heard a lot about us, um, where he would just, um, be very, uh, bitter about the way, you know, they were bringing up stars like us. Um, and maybe he felt like he was being held back. I'm not sure, but, um, yeah, he was, he was never shy about, uh, going out there and saying what he wanted to say. And, um, I always felt like, uh, you know, if, if the guy hates it that bad, then, you know, let him go. If he, if he wants to go somewhere else, I think eventually that's, that is what happened. You know, he went, went to WWE, but, um, yeah, I, but in the ring, man, I mean, you can't take anything away from him. Kid Cash is a huge talent. Um, I think oh, yeah. he did a, a lot for that X division. Maybe he thought he was, should have been in a, the heavyweight division. I'm not sure, but um, he did great for that. And then, you know, he took Dallas along, and um, I'm sure Dallas learned a lot from him. Lance, I'm sure he learned a lot uh, from hanging with Cash. So uh, them being as a tag team, you know, put the put the belts on them. They got a little run with it. So, um yeah, can't take anything away from from Kid Cash's talent, uh, but yeah, he did um, he did run the company and uh, certain individuals in the ground, and um, I don't know. I mean, that's just uh, I guess we all just kind of looked at it like you know, you asked about the the feedback in the back. I mean, it just got to the point I guess where it was like, oh, that's just Cash. I mean, who's right. you know, right. if yeah. if anybody's going to say anything to him, it needed to be the company. Um, if any one individual was to go to him he would take that as a confrontation and it would just blow up from there. So um, that's not the direction to go, but um, yeah, I, 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 I love running into him now. I mean, he's just, um, he's a different person and um, he's just a uh, yeah, great, great guy. Awesome. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're pretty big fans of kick cash, but sometimes some of the quotes we were like, uh, yeah, they were, they were vicious. <laughs> yeah. They were yeah. vicious. Now, during this time, you guys were working both in Nashville and Orlando. So you had the weekly pay-per-views, you'd fly down to Orlando, you'd do the impact tapings. What was the different mindsets between working both the Nashville crowd versus the Orlando crowd? So, of course, you have, like, really, really for you, it's like a home base. And then Orlando is, you know, it's a theme park crowd and, you know, some diehard wrestling fans who will come out to those. Uh, personally, I, I would have to say, man, I... Well, not just personally. I think this goes around the whole, the whole, uh, the whole group. I, we just looked at it as, as I was saying before about going to the TV show. Um, we were expanding. Uh, the company was getting bigger. Right. Um, that was a huge factor. Not only, yeah, we get a TV deal, but hell, now we're going to a different city um, to do this. So now the company, we're a traveling company. Um, it was just a really big deal, man, because you know we were doing the pay per views on Wednesday nights. Um, of course, you know, we, we, uh, all hang uh, on Wednesday nights and be very happy with what we're doing and what we created. Um, but then yeah, going to Orlando. So at, at that time, the schedule was Wednesday pay-per-view and then, um, go down Thursday and, and film Thursday, uh, maybe, maybe Friday. I, I can't remember what we were doing. It might've just been a Thursday. Um, but yeah, we were all, um, it, it was just interesting. You know, we, uh, all the whole company meeting at the airport Thursday morning, early Thursday morning. We're all pretty much taking over the airplane. You can imagine <laughs> what, uh, what some of the other passengers were thinking. Um, yeah. when the, uh, probably 90% of the plane is full of a bunch of crazy wrestlers. Um, but yeah, we would, uh, we, we 
take off, go into Orlando, get there early and you know do the same thing that day. So um, it was a huge deal for us. Uh, we loved that schedule. And then of course, getting, um, getting our name out there from the pay-per-views from the TV then, um, and then have the weekends open. Um, and of course, TNA was very open about us working other places, you know, to yeah, be able to yeah. make some income. So uh, we would do the, the Wednesday pay-per-view, Thursday TV, and then be able to go out on Indies, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever, whatever anybody could get. So um, it was a, it was all our doing, but we would make ourselves have that kind of schedule. So where we were, you know, traveling all over the place. So um, it was really kicking in the gear, man. It was, it was a, a, a new fun, exciting time for TNA. Awesome. Uh, you were also part of the first ever six sides of steel match, steel cage match uh, on July 21st, 2004 with the naturals. Uh, how does it feel to be part of, so many historic moments so early in the TNA history. And then also, which do you prefer? Four sides or six sides? Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, again, uh, just a huge honor um, for the company to put that faith in us. And uh, we were talking earlier about our matches with the Naturals. Obviously, that got enough attention to where they were comfortable putting us in the first six sides of steel, um, which I think a lot of people associate the six sides with um going on to fox sports which is when it started but that did transition over to the uh, final days of nashville so we were still uh, <laughs> six side we were going six sides there too um um so yeah that was a um, huge deal i love being in there with the naturals um i think we had a really good story going with those guys and uh, i think we had team canada involved in that yeah. Um, yeah. a lot of the yeah. tag teams were um were in there so we were it, I just love, I've always loved the, the, uh, the focus that TNA gave on tag teams, um, really helped, yeah. uh, put them on the map. Um, as far as which, let's see, which, I, I was against the six sides uh, at first. I remember the first time I went to Orlando and saw the six sides, I was like, you know, I was, I was a traditionalist. So I was like, why are we doing this? And, you know, why are we messing with what works and, you know, all, all the, arguments you can think to, to go against it. But um, people have asked how we adjusted. I think everybody adjusted just fine. It was not um, not too much harder. It was not hard at all to get in there. We You get in there, you run the ropes a little bit, get used to the turnbuckles, um, you know, just things like that. I mean, you have to uh, change up your timing a little bit. But um, I think we all adjusted pretty well with that. And uh, But, yeah, it was a whole new, new thing, man, to come up with a, a cage match for six sides. Uh, that was going to be something really different. So, and you know, go back to uh, TNA being inv uh, innovative, um, you know, coming up mm -hmm. with something like that. So, um, I think once you're in a uh, cage match, um, it's also different anyway. That um, I never really thought about. I mean, that's a good question. I never really even thought about. Uh, I, I think about the ring itself, but I don't think about the the cage itself. Um, four or six. I mean getting rammed in uh it hurts no matter what <laughs> um i would say that the six size is probably a little tougher uh just because uh i'm trying to explain like the the ropes are tighter in six sides because you have six different sides um right. and uh, uh so the cage itself uh, not as much give um so when you're getting slammed into that you know, while uh, the, the four-sided cage may give a little bit, I mean, like I said, it still hurts, but 
that six side that didn't give as much, man. You're getting rammed into that's a just think of a really tight fence to get, getting slammed into that. So um, it was definitely a lot different. Um, and then same with the turnbuckles, you know, instead of having a, a 90 degree angle, um, it's it's spread out a little bit more. So I, I know a lot a lot of the X division guys probably had to change up their style a little bit. And, and um, same thing if you're crazy enough uh, as we did, uh, crazy enough to go to the top of the cage. Um, it's it's harder to stand up there. Just take a look at what Elix Skipper had to go through. I mean, he uh, he he gets a lot of credit for the move he did, but um, he struggled getting up there. I mean, yeah. he struggled enough enough to where I was telling Daniels, I was like, "What else are we gonna do?" Because he ain't gonna make it over here. Um, <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of little bit of differences, but uh, being in a cage, um, it's you know you just you just change up your whole. Uh, strategy anyway so um it didn't really matter but the the, the six-sided cage is definitely a little bit more difficult yeah that definitely makes sense uh it, we, we just have a few more questions for you we just want to be respectful of your time of course we appreciate uh no problem, man. No problem. everything you know definitely appreciate you being on the show um so on uh september 8th 2004 that's the final uh weekly pay-per-view that's the date with fate Hardy versus Jarrett, uh, and you guys leave Nashville. It's done. Uh, so what was the feeling officially being gone? So now it's not really, you know, going to another city just, you know, the one night a week. Now you're you're totally leaving Nashville behind, at least for TNA, I should say. Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's uh, we all knew that it was a step in the right direction. Um, but, yeah, we were leaving where we started. Um we knew it had to be done. We were all excited about, you know, moving on. And um, I, I don't remember that you probably have the dates, but, you know, we were on our way to going to Spike. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think uh, probably the Nashville fans more than anything. I think it, it was it was probably so hard on them um, because that's where we started. They supported us from the beginning. Now we're abandoning them, going to Florida and uh, – Right. Universal Studios. So um, it was definitely a change, but uh, it's something that, you know, to to for the company to advance. Um, it was something that had to be done. And we and it was better for us to film TV at a TV studio. So, um, yeah, a little kind of a bittersweet kind of thing. But um, it made it even better, though, the, the times that we did go back um, for whether maybe a anniversary show or something like that. It just. Um, it made it even better to, to go back and be able to perform in front of our, our original fans. So, um, yeah, but we, we just knew we were on a bigger and better thing. So, um, that, that's kind of how, how that worked. Now, before uh, victory road in 2004, uh, back in the fall of 2003, the company announced that they were going to have bound for glory. And it was going to be a three, a three hour pay review headlined most likely by Hulk Hogan and Jeff Jarrett. But that did not end up happening. Uh, what did you think about at that time having a three-hour pay-per-view? And was there any kind of nervousness uh, about going that direction? And then also, since it hadn't happened once, would it maybe fall through again with uh, Victory Road, or was it just a different company at that time? Uh, you talk about just going to a three-hour pay-per-view. Well, the, this the whole idea of so like Bound for Glory. Hogan was being reported as coming in. He had almost signed a contract, but he messed up his knee, quote unquote, messed up his knee, and then didn't kind of end up happening. Uh, so 
like where you like what did you think of that whole concept of you know, amongst you and the in the in the other wrestlers about having a huge moment with Hogan potentially for Bound for Glory, but that falls through. What was kind of like the reaction to that? Um, well, I was excited about it just because uh, name value. Um, uh, we, I, I think across the board, we probably all knew that um, Hogan wasn't going to get in there and do some, you know, five-star matches and maybe the Hulk Hogan of old. Um, uh, yeah, I think he kind of had a second run with WCW. A lot of people thought he was done then. Uh, and he right. proved him wrong. He had a whole another run in him in WCW. So, um, yeah, I, I'm not, I don't know the inner workings of that. I'm not sure um, what fell through. I'm, I, I know it was a it was a huge deal when we found out that Jeff flew to Japan uh, to crack that guitar over his head. So we thought oh, yeah. we really thought something was happening. Um, so yeah, it was just uh, I I think for the company as a whole. To have uh, the name Hulk Hogan attached to it was going to be huge, um, uh, just for some recognition. So um, I guess that we were excited about that. Um, didn't know what direction they would go with that. Didn't know if you know he was going to have matches or uh, wasn't sure. But um, yeah, we were excited that the name was going to go there. But we, I think, we found out pretty quick that that wasn't going to happen. So we didn't. We weren't. Um, it didn't. It didn't get drawn out. Um, I think as quickly as we found out he was coming in, uh, we found out that it wasn't going to happen. So, um, yeah, not a not a whole lot with that. So, uh, but uh, as far as the three hour pay per view, yeah, we were excited about that. Um, just to be able to, I mean, go from our two hour pay per view that wasn't getting a lot of views, and now we have a TV that can promote for a three hour pay per view. Yeah, we were all right. real big into that, man. I mean, we felt like you know. It was, it was the big time. I mean, we were having three-hour pay-per-views, and we were a part of it. Yeah, and it, kind of heading into Victory Road, so that's kind of where we're at in our timeline. They show the first promo of the, the like the I can't think of his name off the top of my head. The guy who does the voiceovers and everything, and they did the. Oh, he was awesome! Oh my god, dude, I got goosebumps. Yeah. I'm not yeah. even joking. I we were watching <laughs> it, and I'm getting goosebumps listening to him talk about Victory Road, and at Victory Road. So spoilers to anyone who's actually trying to follow our timeline. But you end up, uh, you have a, a last team standing match with Triple X. So longtime rival, huge, I mean, this is a huge match. November 7th, 2004, first three-hour pay-per-view. Uh, what, any uh, significant memories uh, of this match and the first pay-per-view kind of in general? Uh, we knew it was big. Um, and then we had started to continue, well, start again and continue the whole program with Triple uh, X. So uh, maybe that was one of those things where we did so well before uh, with with a smaller amount of viewers. Now we have more viewers. Let's give it to them again. And I think that was even part of the selling point. Um, I think there was a gap of about 15 months, and um, you know, they uh, they were even advertising like you know this the, when we were leading to the six sides of steel. Uh, it was like a 15 month gap that they said you know 15 months later it's still going on and. Um, but yeah, we we're going to get there with the last man standing. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, it's hard to speak about a strategy for that. Um, cause it was a different type of match. Um, it, I, I don't think it went, um, as well as we thought there were some other, so there were some, um, complications in that, that a lot of people don't know about. Um, uh, storm actually wasn't there for a lot of the day. I think he had to, um, he found out his, I think he found out his grandmother had passed away or something. So, oh, wow. um, I think he may have had to leave, and 
and come back. And there may have even been like a he didn't fly out and fly back. I mean, he it was if I'm right that that was it was that day where he was gone a lot of the time. So I was trying to put a lot together with Elix and Chris uh, myself. And then to top things off, um, Elix got hurt in that match um, where he wound up having a concussion. Um, I don't think a lot of people know about that. So um, that kind of threw, uh, threw a few things off in the match. Um, so, yeah, just it wasn't one of our better ones, you know, but we, we've, we've had plenty, plenty of great ones with those guys. So it was just, uh, just you're not going to always have a hit home run. Um, so it wasn't one of our better matches, but I think we followed it up in that six sides of steals where, you know, <laughs> I don't think anybody was questioning that uh, the last man standing anymore. Yeah, I, I mean, that match at Turning Point, I'd, I'd argue it is like the most infamous TNA moment. I mean, that the Hurricane Runner off the cage is like, it's just insane to me. Like, I still like watch it all the time and hearing Don West like screaming and like Tim and Tanae like losing their mind over it is just like super cool. Uh, now, at the end of that match, the losing team had to split up. So, you got, I mean, it kind of ended up, the rivalry was done. Yeah. Uh, did you think that it was kind of time to be done with it? Um, were you disappointed that you guys were done with the feud with Triple uh, X there? No, I think we, I think we got as much out of it as we could, um, and and they were ready to move on. I think uh, you know Chris was looking to do some more, um, you know, back to the singles. So, um, but there was I mean, there was a little. It, this didn't go on long, but it, there was a little talk. Whether as you know which team we were going to go with, um, so there was uh, for a little bit there was consideration of you know is this time for to split us, um, but the, the fingers were definitely going in the direction of more on those guys. You know they were going to split them up and you know see what they could do. Um, I think Chris, like I said, Chris was definitely looking in a direction to get back to singles. So no, we had had a great program with them in Nashville, um, continued it on into Orlando, and then you know, finish off two great cage matches. Um, so I think we had done everything we could do with those guys. Um, I, I, I love those memories um, and the matches we had with them, but it was, it was time to, you know, finish it off. Uh, in October, 2004, which would be about two months uh, prior to the cage match, uh, it was reported that AMW was sending out feelers to the WWE um, was there any discussions with the WWE WWE and, and, was the mindset maybe at that point that you guys had accomplished all that you could having been the tag team champions numerous times and losing out now on your biggest rival in terms of storyline? Um, I wish I could confirm those, um, reports, but I don't really remember the timeline. Um, when we ever thought about that, um, I'm sure it was in the back of our minds, you know, maybe that was contract time. And uh, we were just, you know, seeing options. Um, it's possible. I, I don't know for sure. Uh, but as much as I thought, you know, there's still life in America's Most Wanted, you know, I, I don't think we wanted to go anywhere. Uh, we saw the company growing. We saw the great things they were doing. And we wanted to be a part of it. So I don't think there was a lot of um, what ifs right then. Um, if there was any um, searching at all, it was uh, probably quick quickly shut down and um yeah well, i think we were happy with tna we wanted to stay there and continue to go um every everywhere we could go with them yeah dallas and i were talking uh like last week about it is the idea if you guys had jumped over 
to the WWE and just uh, the amount of different fresh matchups. I even like fantasy booked uh, having you guys have the feud with uh, Shawn Michaels and Triple H instead of Cade and Murdoch. And I guess like neither yeah. of us really thought about it. We were like, oh my god, that would have been um, probably just insane to. No, fantasy booking is is awesome sometimes, man. And we we could have been in that spot. That would have been that would have been great. It would have been exciting. I just feel like, and this goes for any time, whether it was 04, 06, 07, anything. If we would have ever switched, I feel like they would have ran with us um, for a short amount of months, split us up, feuded, and then we'd have gotten lost in the shuffle. so I, I I'm glad we uh, yeah we never went and um, I just think that would have been a that would have been a destruction of America's Most Wanted. So we had we had a lot more life to do, man, and and continued it on in TNA. Yeah, I think we absolutely agree with that. And then we wouldn't have gotten the 0506 heel run with you guys, and yeah, wouldn't miss out on a lot. Uh, we're wrapping up here, but the, the TNA uh, prided itself on being different than. Uh, for the first couple of years. And then maybe when they got to TV, it was a little bit different uh, with the new faces of professional wrestling. But uh, what was the reaction when they would bring in guys like Scott Hall, Kevin Nash, and then the one shot appearance of Randy Savage? Uh, did you feel like, um, you know, they didn't maybe trust the young guys to bring in that? Or did you understand, you know, bring in veterans compared to? No, I think, I think we were understanding about it. Um, because I, especially when you're starting starting out, I mean, back in 02, um, you need some name recognition. But TNA was going to be that company that was going to build some some homegrown stars, and they did. Um, they were still building, but you know, you still need something to uh, catch some attention. And uh, whether it was Hall and Nash, you know, they they were fresh off not only WCW but they had a WWE run in there. Um, Bringing Savage in, of course, I, I'm I'm biased for Savage because I he was he was the, my guy growing up. Absolutely. Um, so I loved having him, and I know they had they had some plans for him uh, for whatever reason it didn't work out. But um, yeah, I think it's always good to for to bring in some names like that. You know, um, they had Holland Nash uh, coming in. I think Jeff did work with them, and I think that main event of the the Six Sides of Steel at Turning Point, I think, was. Uh, those three against uh, Jeff Hardy, AJ, and Savage. So, uh, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's uh, big names to bring in, you know, to to get some eyes on it. So, that's that's the name of the game, guys. Um, you know, you, you got to get the eyes in, and they're they know those names, so they'll tune in to watch them. But in the process of watching them, they'll watch Hall Nash and Savage, but and and Hardy, Jeff Jarrett, um, but in the in the in those times, then you're going to see a, a cage match with America's Most Wanted and Triple X. They may not know those guys, but they know, they know that was a damn good match. So they're going to watch them next time. They're going to stay tuning in. Uh, and this AJ Styles guy, you know, he's awesome. So I want to I want to come back and watch him. I mean, that's that's the name of it. That's what we got to do. So um, yeah, I'm all for. Uh, that's a personal thing. I'm all for bringing those guys in because you know that <laughs> standing them up with the talent that was coming up. I mean, you you can't hold down an AJ Styles or America's Most Wanted. So, um, you know, bring it, bring in as many eyes as you can, get in as many viewers as you can. And, uh, and then they'll, they'll catch the rest of TNA and see what the, see how great the product really is. 
Well, it's, it's kind of like the WCW mentality too, towards the end where you might be drawn in by Hogan, but you're leaving talking about Booker T and Rey Mysterio. And I think that's the case yeah. with TNA. You know, you come in, you want to see Hall and Nash, but you're leaving and you're like, mm-hmm. Chris Harris, James Stewart, what the hell? I need to know what's going on there. And that's how you build upon it. So, yeah. Right. Yeah, man. Well, and, and really, like I said uh, in the beginning of the show, that's kind of what happened to me. I mean, I came to TNA because Jeff Hardy went there. And as a kid, I love Jeff Hardy. And now I left and I'm... I'm, I'm going to argue I'm one of the biggest TNA marks there is. I'm going to say it. Because my friends, I'm telling you, my friends would bully hey, me all the time. don't be embarrassed about it. We love Dude, that. I'm not yeah. embarrassed about it because I fucking love TNA. I always <laughs> will. And, uh, I mean, honestly, uh, Chris, it's been uh, really an honor to talk to you on yeah. our show. I mean, it's been really, really great. Um, and uh, I hope you don't mind me saying this, too, but I appreciate you telling us off air that you've listened to the show. I think that's phenomenal. And I really, really appreciate that. And I appreciate you um, not DMing us like uh, Johnny Fairplay did very angry about us when you listen to the show. <laughs> oh, he was. It's due to the source, man. <laughs> Don't worry about yeah. that, Colin. Uh, no, no, no. He, uh, he, I oh, think... he did listen to the show and he was complaining about it. Oh yeah, he he listened because um, some of the observer notes that we discussed, I think, took some shots at him, and he uh, he thought they were our words necessarily. And uh, yeah, we got a couple DMs and some mean tweets. He tried to get Glenn Gilberti to fight us too, but it didn't work. Uh, Glenn follows us on Twitter too, so who knows? Maybe he's listened too. I have no idea. Uh, but yeah, I, yeah. Wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't let the the uh, fair play comments bother you. No, no, they didn't. In fact, it was more like, oh shit, Johnny Fairplay listened to our show. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, I did listen, yeah. man. And the, the bottom line is, uh, I I appreciate you guys, especially going back. I mean, you're not just reporting on uh, what Impact's doing now. You're going back and watching some of the things that made TNA what it is. Um, you know, it's it's been around over 20 years now. So um, I I appreciate you guys doing that and you're going through and you know it, you're not going to agree on everything. You're not going to uh, right. think everything right. is great, and that's okay. I mean, that's your opinion. It's your podcast, so. Uh, you guys can give your opinion on there, um, and not everybody's going to agree with it. I I may listen to the show and may not agree with it. And actually, yeah. you may bring up points about the about the TNA show um, that I would agree with. You know, if 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 it's something you you uh, you're not liking. So uh, thank you for doing that, man. I mean, thank you for taking the time to watch the shows and going back. And you know that that was some some great stuff back then. You know, starting out in '02 and it just got better. '03, '04. And yeah. I can't wait to listen and see what you guys think of the, the 0506 runs too. So uh, thank you for doing that, man. We yeah. we do have to admit that we almost quit the podcast after episode three because uh, it was <laughs> it, uh, it was a brutal it was a, episode. It was a we almost our match. No, 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 yeah. just the whole. I don't know. It was just it, a really bad. Really, we, bad maybe we were bad mentally at the time. I'm not really sure that, what was yeah, going on, but uh, it, it definitely in the beginning was there. There were some bumpy shows. But man, once it picked up, I mean, like like you just said, it only gets better. Yeah, and oh, absolutely. And like literally, as we were approaching the end of the pay per view era, I'm like, okay, this is when I like get dived in when I was younger. So um, I couldn't wait. Well, keep I, in mind those early days. I mean, it was a feeling out yeah. process. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. It's there, 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 there was a there was a lot of bad. So you know. One, oh yeah. Yeah yeah. Just that you know, feel it out and uh, see see what's working and go with that. That's right. It was the Wild West. That's what I've heard a lot of people uh, describe it as. So, um, And I guess my last thing here is uh, I got to give you your plugs here. So if you guys don't already follow Chris Harris over on Twitter, he's at AMW Wildcat. And then uh, over on Instagram, that's where we connected at AMW Wildcat Chris Harris. 
And I, I do you have any other social medias that you'd like to plug or anything no, like that? Man, I appreciate it. That's 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 it. Um, got those in, and um, I have merch out there also. It's amwwildcat.com. Um, that's right. No, that's you guys got it, man. I appreciate you plugging that. Absolutely, and uh, we we appreciate you. And I hope that uh, down the line here, as we continue our journey, maybe we can have you back on the show when we can discuss the later part of your TNA career as well. That'd be awesome, man. Yeah, let me know if you want to discuss the heel run. Oh hell yeah! Uh, my, my singles run in 07, You know, whatever, whatever uh, you guys get to, man. Uh, you know how to get a hold of me. So I'd love to come back on. Awesome, awesome. Chris. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you, Bob. Thank you, Dallas. And you guys have a great one. You too, you too man. Thank you. Thank you so much. All right, man. Well, Dallas, that Chris Harris interview was fantastic. <sighs> we learned so much from Wildcat and his mindset on stuff, his reaction to the title, uh, the cage match title match being taken away from him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was super awesome. Uh, uh, I mean, super positive. Uh, I mean, just super in depth with his answers, as you guys all just heard. I mean, that was, that was super cool for us to do. And I'm uh, incredibly thankful for the opportunity that we just got to interview, I mean, one of the biggest names in TNA history. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. One of the literal homegrown TNA talent in terms yeah. of a national sense. And, you know, some people might be like, well, what about AJ? AJ technically wrestled on Nitro. So he <laughs> had that exposure in ah, doesn't count, 2001. Man, doesn't right. count. Chris oh, Harris might have been on Worldwide. He might have been on Worldwide. Sure. He wasn't I was, on Nitro. I was, waiting, I was waiting for you to mark out about the worldwide. I almost did. I almost was like, yo, I want to go worldwide. <laughs> That's right. WrestlingRecaps.com. Bob yeah. covers all that worldwide and WCW Pro that you could ever think you needed That's or right. more than you even knew existed. That's right. Yeah, well, man. That, that, was, that was crazy. Yeah, super, super awesome. Um, you know, we, I think we, we really covered his career uh, from 2002 to 2004, which is our timeline currently and we're uh on the edge of victory road and when this episode gets posted it is not victory road yet but we're almost there we haven't even recorded victory road actually so it's it's actually pretty exciting um but that all being said um we might have a few more surprises up our sleeves uh coming later this year i'd even have to say i don't think it's going to dip into next year i think it's going to be this year potentially uh, some other really great things for you guys. Uh, we did just drop a new T-shirt, which I've been teasing on the podcast in future episodes, but it wasn't approved yet. It is a potentially sports entertainment extreme inspired cross the line T-shirt. You can find that at prowrestlingtees.com slash cross the line TNA. And yes, Chris Harris liked the post on our Facebook page. So if Chris Harris approves of it, you guys should probably check it out as well. Uh, and also... If you do not already follow us, be sure to on Facebook at TNA Cross the Line Pod. Go follow us on Twitter for all of your favorite TNA needs. Post every single day at Cross the Line TNA. And uh, follow us wherever you listen to your podcast. And if you would, please leave us a review. And if you guys leave more reviews, we might do more interviews. You never know what's going to happen. Well, I think we absolutely have to... Uh get Chris Harris back on for uh, his mm-hmm. 506 runs. And as he even mentioned, uh, part of his, or most of 2007, I believe is there as well. So uh, 
I mean, you know, is he there? He might be all of 2007. He might. I think he leaves 2008. Uh, that sounds right to me. Uh, let me. Fuck it, dude. We're still like technically on the show, so we're doing live research. Okay, he does. Oh, oh yeah, because he no, he does have even one match in 2008. The very okay. beginning, January. Okay. And then in WWE, he makes his debut on ECW in a dark match on March 11th. He goes on TV on July 8th. Uh, but he also is, it looks like an FCW even. So, oh, he's in one okay. match. That's one match. I mean, yeah. that's, in, that's in June. So it's even after the other appearance. Yeah. No, that was, uh, I'm like on a buzz right now because, um, not that I had any doubt, but, you know, sometimes, um, wrestlers kind of um leave you like disappointed or whatever and i'll tell you right now 15 year old bob who was a huge fan of chris Ayers, uh is coming out tonight because i am a huge fan of chris there Ayers. You go. and uh having him be kind and offering up as much insight and memories that he had um and spending almost two hours with us really Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, definitely, you know, I wanted to be I wanted to be respectful. I hope he wasn't wanting to kill us by the end when I mentioned it. Um, But I wanted to let him know kind of we were we were getting toward the end there Uh, because we threw a lot at him, man. Yeah, I I wouldn't say a lot of them were easy questions, you know, so um, I would say uh, just like our interview with Goldilocks, our first bonus episode, which you guys should definitely check out in the archive. This was another successful interview on the TNA Crossline podcast. And uh, I'm hoping it's the first two of many because uh, this was a ton of fun. I mean, this was awesome. Yeah, that is just incredible. So uh, if you guys listening have any kind of maybe requests, maybe you guys do you guys want us to maybe reach out to Jeff Jarrett? Maybe you guys want us to reach out to, I don't know, Kid Romeo. If they appeared in TNA, why I don't not? Know. You, you, you guys send us names. If you're interested, let's let's try tag, it out. Tag your favorite TNA wrestlers and say, hey. Get interviewed by Bob and Dallas. That's right. And tag more the, than happy to do it. Tag our page. Uh, and there's one more thing I want to say that I actually wish I remembered during that show, but we were, like you said, riding such a high with these questions. Yeah. Um, in the beginning of this episode, Chris Harris was kind enough to shoot uh, an intro for us. So I, I wish I got the chance to thank him for that, but it is in the beginning of this episode, and I'm super appreciative that he was able to do that for us. So that will be now in our rotation in the beginning of all of our episodes. That's fantastic. Uh, also, if you guys are interested in some of the Tennessee wrestling uh, prior to TNA that uh, Chris Harris was involved with, that's right. It's a second plug for our friend of the show, Brian Turner. Head over to the Brian Turner VHS Rehab, and there are countless Chris Harris matches. And I'm I'm sure over the next several weeks there will be several more. He has matches with Air Paris, James Storm, and several others. Yeah. Uh, that were well known in the Tennessee area, and that uh, Brian Turner has uh, apparently thousands of VHS tapes, and he's converting them one by one. That's right. That's that's just another great friend of the show that we have made. And you know what, Bob? On I YouTube, think, I don't know if I, I, I I'm assuming everybody YouTube. knew I was YouTube. Of course, it's on YouTube. Um, and you know, I'm gonna say it. Chris Harris, newest friend of the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think honestly, I think I'm gonna go buy a T-shirt. I'm about to go on his website too. I would have. I, I you want to? Let's I, split some shipping, Bob. Let's do it. I don't know. Let's go. I think that's awesome. Great guy. Um, but all right, guys uh, and gals who are listening, which I doubt there's women, but 
guys. Uh, let's uh, wrap it up here. And as uh, we continue on to Victory Road, it's coming up soon. So stay excited. I'm excited from this interview. I'm on. A, let's watch some impact tonight. All right, Nick. Let's do it. Let's watch let's his return to Slammiversary in 2022. Let's go. Let's do it. All right, guys. We'll see you next time around. Until then, for Dallas Greeley, I'm Bob Gunning Jr. And this has been the TNA Crossline Podcast. We find the defendants guilty.